Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the worst podcast on Mars, also known as, oof, here we go again. I'm Amanda. I'm Tommen. Tommen. Yes. Okay. No, okay. No, 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 no. Evan, I can follow this through line. Okay. Tommen was the boy king, and I call him a boy because he was way too young, okay. on Game of Thrones. And he, so he was the king, he ruled a kingdom, and it was tragic. I was going to say, there was a lot tragic. of sad things that happened. So, so I he did had it. a tragic kingdom. I nailed it. I got it right. So, um, welcome back. Um, this is the podcast where we talk music. We're breaking down uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of 200 definitive albums. And we just threw them in a randomizer and the computers went beep, boop, beep and threw out this one. <laughs> um, so before we begin, you got anything you want to bring up? Yeah, apparently. Apparently I have a correction. You have a correction? Uh-huh. Oh my god, what's your correction? Apparently I don't know how to say the word died. <laughs> so last week, um, at the end of Fleetwood Mac, when you did your This Day in History, you were talking about a Slipknot member. Do you remember who? No. Shows how much you pay attention to me. And I, I listened to it today, because you edited it, and I had to listen to it and make sure it was good. But it was funny because you were listening to it and you fixed, you edited things. And in the episode, I called you out because I did not hear the word died. And you swore up and down that you said the word. And I argued with you. And I said, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. And I walk in the door and you said, hey... I listened to it. Do you want to make a bet? Now, who makes a bet with somebody that already knows the outcome? But you, like, really pushed me into making this bet. You have free will. What? But what were what were the stakes? And if you say medium rare, I'm going to throw my cup at you. What were the stakes? Medium well. Fuck you. So, you said that the loser had to take the cars up and fill them with gas mm-hmm. you said you said it <laughs> you claimed that you said died and i said you didn't and you were trying to get me to this bet even though five minutes before i walked in the door you had already known the answer mm-hmm. not gonna lie i was very wary <laughs> <laughs> as you should be but you kept pushing it and i'm like I have to get gas anyway. I pass like six gas stations. So if I lose this bet, I'm not out anything. No big deal. I took the bet. You played it. Evan, can you please tell the players at home? Did you actually say the word died? I implied. No, that he was no, dead. no. No. Did you say it? Yes. No, you did not. No, I said died. I didn't say it in reference to that date, but I said. The drummer for Avenged Sevenfold, who also died. So I did say the word died. I just didn't happen to say it where you wanted me to. Don't even start, because that's not even how you said it either. No. 
don't don't try to weasel your way out of this. Your face doesn't work. With I'm gonna me. human my way out of this. I'm not a weasel. You are so a weasel. Point is, Evan had to take my car and go fill it up with gas. So I won. I'm awesome. I do not have any corrections from last week. Thank you. Um, grievances. Yes, I had to fill up your car. This, <laughs> this, let me remind you, you were the stupid idiot that made the bet with me knowing that you already lost. <laughs> That's just, I guess, being nice. I don't know, because I've never seen you be nice. So, um, Oh, so last episode that we said we got the cats. Yes. And... We have one has an official name. It is Spleens. Both of them have an official name. Yeah, I guess we call the other one Snickers. I'm not married to it yet, but I have a couple days before we take him to the vet and we have to tell. No, because you're married to me. I know you're not thrilled about that, but you're yeah, married to me. Especially not right now. Um, so they're they're cute and they're adorable, and I want to squeeze them. Paul McCartney's still not happy about it though. Yeah, he's still grumpy. <laughs> still grumpy. Um, so, yeah. But uh, if you don't have anything else to share, shall we move on? Yeah, go ahead. So if you don't listen to previous episodes or don't read the episode title before you click play, which means you're really devoted to the cause, or, you know, if you couldn't figure it out by the weird Game of Thrones segment we had going on, this week we are doing Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt. It was released October 10th, 1995, and is a number 120 on that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list. So let's get into it. So the history about this, um, in, in researching this, I was really kind of excited to get into this. Because this is, you know, you know like TLC, we talked about how that was really big in my childhood. This was another one that I remember coming out and you know, remember a lot about, remember seeing the videos on MTV when MTV played basic videos, shut your face. So I was really interested to read a lot about this. Um, so Tragic Kingdom is actually No Doubt's third studio album, but their first success. It almost didn't even happen as the band was ready to give up shortly before deciding to record this. And they take their inspiration from their local tourist trap, Disneyland's Magic Kingdom. So they are all from Orange County, California. And so Disney is right in their backyard. And it, the name actually came from, I think, I read one of their teachers who had always referred to it as the Tragic Kingdom. Uh, I th- may have heard that at one point before. Mm-hmm. So uh, Tragic Kingdom came out during a time when grunge dominated the radio, ska was popular, and alternative music became the new pop. This, pop, this became popular during a time when a wave of feminism also exploded through the country. So, like we had talked in TLC, and the mid-90s was the quote-unquote angry white female era of pop and rock. Other artists and groups like Hole and Alanis Morissette dominated with their angry anthems and no doubt struck gold with this hit with Gwen's angry and hurt lyrics. Can I help you? Have you heard Alanis Morissette's first two albums? No. But a very similar vein, though. She, she can. We, okay. Let me finish go my ahead. thought before you. Okay, go ahead. She didn't hit it big until Jagged Little Pill, which Correct. was not her first. Correct. That's where I was yeah. going with that. But continue. yeah, her first are more like the 
from what I understand, they're like the actual like pop, like uh, bubblegum pop. Yeah, like an Avril or uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like okay. <laughs> but it's funny that you mention Avril. So we have Hole and Atlantis. No doubt, Avril came shortly after this, and you have like Pink comes in. That, so it, they're more along the lines of this angry white female. <laughs> thing and less of the britney christina jessica thing that we had also talked about so interesting that it it all is around the same time and interesting that our number generator put them together (laughs) um and what three strong female performances back to back because we had fleetwood mac in between this oh yeah yeah now granted it was earlier but still yeah uh, Just a Girl was a powerful song for women in that it spoke out against being a victim within a man's world with lyrics like, I'm just a girl, so don't let any, so don't let me have any rights. <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> and it was done in a sarcastic way that also spoke to how women can use this as a way to get what they want. So she, in this song, she was speaking like, yeah, I'm just a girl. I don't get to have a say i don't have any rights i don't get what i want but i'm just gonna bat my eyelashes and you can give me whatever i want kind of you know they sex cells sex cells you think femme fatale kind of thing so it's it's a double-edged sword you know and i found that kind of interesting because it it's along the same lines as you know we talked tlc and empowering women and stuff but this is also well yeah i see what you're saying but you can also use your vajayj to your advantage so you you had like a little giggle would you please laugh into the microphone so people think i'm funny huh shut your face um don't speak was written about the breakup of band members gwen and tony the song was such a hit that they were forced to perform it and relive the breakup over and over again, a la Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham. So, Tragic Kingdom is a mesh of ska and dance hall with two-tone and new wave. It's based on the acts that they grew up with, like Madness, The Specials, The Bee, and The Selector, which I have no clue who any of those are. They don't sound familiar. They're all British bands. Mm. So, it's... They preferred, even though, like, ska was popular at the time, they preferred acts from overseas versus, so it's like, it's, I guess, from what I understand, Britain's version of alternative versus what they had locally. So it's widely considered to be a breakup album, but not just that of Gwen and Tony. Gwen's brother Eric, the keyboardist, also left the group to work on The Simpsons. Also, original member John Spence died from suicide in 1987, so the band had already gone through a lot of heartache. However, instead of letting all of this break them up, they used it to help them find their voice and grow their relationships. While their sound was considered alternative their quirkiness set them apart from other alternative groups like nirvana and soundgarden so they had a little bit of like i want to say a pop punk think think like green day but ska uh 
Yeah. Okay. I can. So they they were along the same lines of Nirvana and Soundgarden, but just a little bit different. And uh, you throw in like the bubble gum in it, and it makes it a little quirky. And one of the biggest issues the group had can be seen straight away on this cover. So did you get a good picture of the the cover? Um. I did not get to zoom in. I'm assuming I know what you're talking about. Do you know about. what it looks like? So the image shows Gwen in the front while the members are clearly separated in the back away from their singer. They knew this would be an issue. And as they recognized the talent Gwen had, which they were right, they, the uh, immediately the media would single out Gwen. And the band's video for Don't Speak depicts exactly this dilemma. So it's... They they all knew what they had together, and they knew what Gwen had by herself. And they knew that, you know, once this album was made, that it was going to do something for either them as a group or Gwen by herself. And they knew that the media would pick her apart, and they, they did. They singled her out, and they started just looking at it as more of Gwen... And her backup versus No Doubt as a group. Yeah. So they played on that for the Don't, Don't Speak video. Have you ever seen that video? No. It's essentially like a bunch of reporters and like they do like photo shoots and stuff. But it's all like Gwen's the star. Gwen's the big thing. Everybody else is just kind of there. I thought you were going to bring up the how everybody's in the back. I think the farthest one back is, what did you say is? Her brother's name was Eric. Eric. Is the farthest one in the back away from... They're they're all away from her to begin with, but even farther back. Which would make sense, because, I mean, I noticed... Or I noted that he he was out of the band before they released this, but he did some work on on it to help them. So he was kind of a part of it. But that's all I have for the history. Do you have anything you would like to share with the class? Um... Yes, but I think it's it, I think it's in the correct place. So, you were talking about um, early ska and what else had been around at that time. Yeah, I did a little bit of digging as to what was what else was around at that time. Um, I think it's classified as third wave ska. Okay. So, I found a list of third wave ska bands. Mm-hmm. No doubt it's on there. Um, Mighty Mighty Boston's. Yes. The impression that I get was 97. Yeah. Uh, let's see who else was on there. Real Big Fish. Yeah. The song you know, Sell Out, mm-hmm. was 96. I don't know if you're familiar with them, Suicide Machines. I've heard of them. They have a song on Tony Hawk, mm-hmm. released in 96. Um, Less Than Jake, I know the name. I don't know when stuff was released. Save Ferris. Their their only album was released ninety seven. Mm-hmm. Goldfinger, with Superman. Mm-hmm. That album was released in ninety six. So everything that you're thinking of when you well most of the things that you think of were after this album. Mm-hmm. So you look at this and then that whole thing exploded, essentially, as to yes, it was in the wrong spot. By the way, that's an impact on how it. Impacted well, everything else, but no, you bring up a good point. If you were to close your eyes and listen to this album 
or songs by any of those artists that you just named, I bet you can picture a skater, like skateboard, not rollerblades or anything, but a skater with the baggy pants and the girls with like the wild spiky hair that twists everywhere. And it's it's very much a specific time frame. Yeah, and mid nineties. And I bet you can tell me like six, like rom com movies from that time period that all have that style. Seth Green and Can't Hardly Wait is one of them. And you were looking at me like you have no clue what I'm talking about. Please Google Seth Green Can't Hardly Wait, and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. On the topic of skaters, which I was patiently waiting for you to be finished. Whatever. Suicide Machines and Goldfinger are both on Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk's. Yeah. But it's... That is very... Do we have Can't Hardly Wait? I don't know. But... I can't hardly wait to find out. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, but Google it and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it speaks to a specific time period and... So, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It, it, this inspired a lot of others, and, and they did well. And I think, like, it also led into kind of, like, the popularity of the Brian Setzer Orchestra right at this time and Cherry Poppin' Daddies because it's similar, but it also has, like, more jazzy vein. Yeah, but I was going to say, can... that, that I would, cla- Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, Royal yes, Crown Review. But, can I finish my thought? It, the ska music is heavy on the trumpet. Trumpet. <laughs> The trumpet. <laughs> what is that? Mama number five? Mama number five. The trumpet. The trumpet and the trombone. So like brassy sounds, but done kind of in a pop fun way. And then like Big Voodoo Daddy and stuff like that. They are more of a like a swing jazz, but have kind of a ska feel to it. So all of that music was popular around the same time. A lot of these acts are still doing things now, but you don't hear it as much played on you know normal radio i think big bad booty that he played the halftime show at one point probably but are you following along with what i'm saying because you just you bring up other things that you think are important and you're not acknowledging what i'm saying and then you're just staring at me and you're laughing i can see you laughing but again this is an audio medium one per episode that i say and you are not laughing into the microphone ha Okay, you're just going to continue to silently laugh, and let, let's be awkward here. Okay, should I move on? Speaking of impact and what it did for other music, I believe you have some more notes. Are you kidding? <laughs> what a transition, where I, I just did a transition, and then you're like, let me help you, shove you into this next section. Twat. Okay. I will be close my eyes. So, um, the singles for this, Just a Girl, Spiderwebs, and Don't Speak, which I think are the first, nope. One, three, and I was going to say, I'm getting my, my albums mixed up because, like, there was, I've done, like, seven episodes, I've done notes for, like, seven episodes, and there was one that was, like, the first three songs from the album were the singles, and I don't know which one it is. Clearly, it's not this. Moving on. 
Tragic Kingdom sold 20 million copies worldwide and claimed diamond status by the end of the 1990s. It earned the group two Grammy nominations. It took over a year for the album to reach number one on the charts, but once it did, stayed there for nine weeks. The album is considered to include some of the most definitive songs of the era, as well as having a gender-bending sound that had an impact on the future of pop and rock. With a sad story of heartbreak, it has become a symbol of hope despite tragedy. So, no doubt, you know, I said they they had all of these things going on, and I also said that they almost gave up right before this. This was their last shot. And they had all decided, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to put it out, it is what it is, if it fails, we're done, we can all move on. You know, at that point, Eric was, he was working, I think, an animator. That's what I think. So, he, you know, they were all ready to pursue other things. But they put this out, and obviously it it did well. They toured for a while. Um, They put out several other albums as a group before Gwen went on her own and did her thing. Um, So, you know, had they not done that, maybe some of these other ska bands that we, you had mentioned maybe wouldn't have yeah. got, you know, it was the same thing with Nirvana. You know, we talked about how Nirvana influenced a lot going forward. This is one that they influenced. And, you know, without no doubt. You There's know, no it, doubt that no, oh, some of these others sake. wouldn't exist. Jesus Christ. Is there anything you want to say before I, I leave? Yes. <laughs> what? So... I do a, just so I have a general knowledge of what's happening, I'll get on the Wikipedia, wi- I'll get on the Wikipedia page and just kind of scroll through, see like when it was released, like where it was recorded, kind of mm-hmm. see some of that. And if there's something that stands out, I'll try and dig a little into it. Okay. So I have something for you that will put this in a time frame for you and then... I don't have a whole lot of information to back it up, but I'll tell you what I found. The album remained low on the Billboard 200 and did not enter the top 100 until February of 96, Mm -hmm. when it jumped 27 positions to number 89. Palmer, I I don't know who that's referring to. I don't know if it was somebody who did a review or I didn't look that far into it. Attributed the jump to a Channel One news program that Gwen Stefani hosted in January of 96 which was broadcast in 12,000 classrooms, and the band's subsequent performance at a Blockbuster store in Fresno, California. (laughs) Blockbuster. And I found a show in 96 that was in Fresno in January, but I do not have a set list. It says at the Wilson Theater. So it doesn't say... I was trying to... Figure out like when that show would have been to see what they would have played from it. Uh-huh. So there was a show from Fresno in January of '96 that I'm able to find. So I think that there's some merit to that. Yeah. That was it, all. That was it. Thank you for yeah. your contribution to today's episode. <laughs> Blockbuster. Yeah. So um, you want to thank your sources, or is it just Wikipedia? Uh, I'm not done. Oh, I apologize. Continue. Uh, you know the red dress on the cover? Yeah. 
have do you know anything about the rest of that story no okay so it essentially got donated to the fullerton museum uh no i think it was to hard rock cafe and then it was on loan to the fullerton museum okay it got stolen really in what was it it was february of 2005 it was part of the exhibition the orange groove orange county's rock and roll history uh no january sorry the dress was displayed behind a seven and a half foot sheet of plexiglass the band has asked that the dress be returned no questions asked to the museum or its management company i have not seen any information that says it was okay so just that the dress is somebody owns it some some fan because they they said it has to be a fan because if you try and sell it you're going to be arrested Mm -hmm. so somebody out there has the dress that she wore and it's not her that has it okay so i thought that was an interesting thing now are you done yes are you sure no would you like to thank your source I have no doubt. I have no doubt that I am not done. Uh, thank you to Setlist FM for just saying that yes, there was a date or there was a show performed on this date, and I found the information about the dress on the LA Times from February seventeenth, two thousand five. It was an article written by Kevin Bronson. So thank you. Good job. Proud of you. Gold star. Thank you to Tragic Kingdom by Jillian Mapes, Maps, M-A-P-E-S, I don't know, Um, published March 15th, 2020 on Pitchfork.com. Thank you to Tragic Kingdom, How No Darts, No Darts, (laughs) No Doubts, Heartbreak, Seduce the Masses by Laura Stravopoulos, Stravo, fuck, I'm sorry, I don't know, (laughs) published October 10th of 2021 on YouDiscoverMusic.com. Thank you to No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom Revisited as a Grown-Up Girl by Phoebe Loomis. Loams. I need you are pick, terrible tonight. I, I know. I need to pick easier ones to pronounce. <laughs> Published August 6th of 2021 on tonedef.thebrag.com. Thank you to Welcome to the Tragic Kingdom. No Doubt's Masterpiece Turns 25 by Yasmin, Yasmin Shmish. Shemesh, yeah. I'm just gonna go in a corner and die. <laughs> Published October 10th of 2020 on Grammy.com. Thank you to No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom by the MTC News staff on April 8th, 1996 on MTV.com. Thank you to Seven Facts About No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom by Chantal Dunn on uh, published October 10th, 2020 on Sonic1029.com. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> we barely made it through that. That was that was some kind of adventure. That was yeah, that was a thing. Right, you want to do your reviews first? So I am only keeping three songs. I had no doubt that you would not like this. Oh just wait. So what are the three songs that I'm keeping? Spiderwebs. Okay, that's one. Uh, Hey You. No. 
Tragic Kingdom. No. I don't know. Just a girl. For real? And Sunday morning. Okay. I'm not keeping Don't Speak. Well, it's too slow for you. And it's overplayed. Well, that's a that's a whole separate issue that I have with some of these things. Um, I had a thought, but I don't remember what it was. Oh, okay. I uh, there are a couple songs that I didn't care for. Uh, the climb. I don't remember what track it is, but it's six and a half. It's kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a fan of Ended On This not being the end of the album. <laughs> I, I don't like that. It, if you're going to do that type of thing for a title, at least follow through on it. But I have that... Um, there are a couple albums that I feel that the track list is slightly out of order. Like the Like two of them should be switched. So if they could have somehow done those two, it would have been better. Would you like to hear a surprise? Hmm. Out of the albums that we have listened to, this is probably my favorite since Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Really? Because it's got the same energy as Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, but it doesn't have a lot of the bullshit. And it's more of a cohesive album than Night at the Opera. Because it's one gene- or it's one consistent style. Whereas Night at the Opera was all over the place mm-hmm. in in terms of influences and all that. This is this is more consistent. I wish that there was more off of it that i had liked but it if there was more off of it that i liked my rating would be higher i mean that's just how that's how math works but i would give it a b plus okay if there if there was more consistent tracks that my ears liked it would go up to an A minus, and I don't know if that shocks you or not. I have no doubt that that shocks you. Can we can we both agree, call a truce, and not use this joke anymore? Because no, because they're gonna turn this into a drinking game. We should add. We should edit that into the beginning to say, "Take a drink" every time somebody says it. Oh my god! You want me to have alcohol poisoning? Or just regular poisoning, that works too. So, okay. Um, for me, this album took me back to my teenage years. I, I wasn't a big fan of No Doubt, but I enjoyed the songs that got radio play. Even later albums were just okay for me, and I can never really get into the band. Um, that being said, the album is pretty good. Thinking back, I don't think I ever listened to the album, which one of my sisters did own. Um I just knew the singles. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'd ever listen to it fully. Mm-hmm. The album as a whole has an Angry Girl vibe that I enjoy, and I think that it still speaks to some today, but for me, it was dated. The ska sp- sound to it spoke 90s, which gave me nostalgic vibes, but it wasn't something I'd constantly come back to. 
not saying it's bad it just wasn't for me i would come back to ska in general i don't know if i'd come back to this album like Mm -hmm. some of that that stuff is so much fun to listen to though Mm mm-hmm so for me, I'm keeping Spiderwebs, Just a Girl, Hey You, Don't Speak, and Tragic Kingdom. Um, and I know it's not a release single, but I really enjoyed the darker sound and the lyrics of it. So, uh, of Tragic Kingdom. So overall, I'm giving it a B. I ranked something higher than you? You did. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, next week I'm sure you're going <laughs> to change that. Um, so you want to give me your final thoughts? Um, I don't know if I have any. I is it exists? It exists. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a thought. Yeah. Um. So, it's it's not a bad album, and I think no doubt definitely needs to be on this list. But I just didn't care for it. I think I just don't care for the ska sound in general. And I drifted to too many of the mainstream songs that were so popular. Again, it's not a bad album. Just not for me. So, uh, moving on to recommendations. You got any this week? Some of those other ones that mentioned earlier. Like, Sellout's a great song. Um, I don't know enough of Mighty Mighty Boston's. Or Goldfinger, but everything that I've heard from Real Big Fish, I enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of sort of in the same lines because mm-hmm. you use lines to catch Real Big Fish. Oh God, damn it! Can you just go play in traffic? I had no doubt you saw that coming. Oh, <laughs> kill me! <laughs> I want to die. Okay, so my recommendation. Um, we're watching The Offer on Paramount, and I really like it. It's really good. For those of you who don't know, it's the story of the making of Godfather, like how they, like, fought to get it made and how they had, like, struggled in trying to, you know, this up-and-coming producer and and working with the, the mob and, and, you know, all this stuff. And it's so good. We're only four episodes in. Somewhere in that range. But it's so good, and I, I suggest, especially if you love The Godfather, which I do, I, I love gangster movies, watch it. It's very good. So, uh, all right, Evan, on to you, this day in history. So, a lot of things happened today in history, and by a lot, I mean somewhere between 1 and 30. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how many things I'm going to tell you, but we're just gonna we're just going to go through it. So it's August 1st. So, August 1st, where'd it go? (laughs) August 1st, 1963. The first Beatles Monthly was published. A magazine devoted to the group, it continued for 77 editions until 1969, and at its peak was selling over 350,000 copies a month. Okay. August 1st, 1964. Billboard magazine reported that the harmonica was making a comeback in a big way thanks to its use by their four artists specifically. Do you have any guesses as to who they are? What year? 1964. So Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan's one of them. Um, <laughs> the only other harmonica player I can think of immediately is the guy from Blue Straddler. <laughs> No. <laughs> that is much later. 
Stevie Wonder. Really? I don't think I knew that. The Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Really? Early Beatles, I would think, would use it. Would have used it. I didn't realize Stevie Wonder was that uh, yeah. early. Okay. 1969. The three-day U.S. Atlantic City Pop Festival took place at the Atlantic City Racetrack with B.B. King, Janis Joplin, Santana, Three Dog Night, uh, these three I don't know, Dr. John, okay. Procol Harum, Arthur Brown, Iron Butterfly, CCR, Little Richard, Tim Buckley, The Birds, Jefferson Airplane, Mothers of Invention, and Canned Heat. And that would have been a that would have been a fun show to go to, just in terms of who all they were able to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joni Mitchell started to cry and ran off stage in the middle of her third song because the crowd was not paying attention to her performance. 1971. The Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour started on primetime American TV. By this time, Sonny and Cher had stopped producing hit singles, so the duo decided to sing and tell jokes in nightclubs across the country. CBS had a programming. Fred Silverman saw them one evening and offered them their own show. Have you ever watched the show? No. We used to watch it. I know of Sonny and Cher being together, mm-hmm. but I wasn't aware of like what it was what okay so like back when i was younger so yesterday i mean you were younger yesterday than you are also technically younger five minutes ago when we started this um there's no doubt you were younger you had you had nickelodeon and then you had nick at night and then they made a separate channel that was pretty much all the nick at night stuff because it's nick no, SNCC was their Saturday night stuff. But they had, and it was like, they played like um, Petticoat Junction and Green Acres and um, the Sunny and Cher show and I think Brady Bunch and like a bunch of these older shows. And I don't remember the name of the, the station, but it was like specifically that. So like shows that like my parents watched growing up and um, we, when we got it, that, that, what are you doing? She's playing with the toy. Okay. You're being distracted by the cat. Um, But when we got it, like that's what dad put on all the time. So we would sit there and we would watch these old show shows but Sunny and Cher so they had this variety show and they it was a comedy act and then they would sing and they would bring on other people and it was it was actually really good I I liked it I mean interesting to go back and see if mm-hmm. we can find any of this stuff I want to know the name of the the network or the channel 1980 Def Leppard made their US live debut when they opened when they appeared at the New York City concert opening for what year? Nineteen eighty. Def Leppard opened for Stones. ACDC. Okay. It was also Def Leppard singer Joe Elliott's birthday. Australian singer Rick Springfield started a two-week run at number one on the U.S. Singles Chart with Jesse's Girl in nineteen eighty-one. 
which later won the singer a Grammy Award for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance. I didn't know he was Australian. The song was at number one when MTV launched on August 1st, 1981. Brickhead played Noah Drake in General Hospital. Okay. I think he was also in Screen Queens. We got a boat wiggle. 1987. MTV Europe was launched. The first video played being... Um, Aha, Take On Me. Money for Nothing by okay. Dire Straits, which contained the appropriate line, I want my MTV. I want my cookie. 1987. Los Lobos were at number one on the UK singles chart with their version of... Don't know. La Bamba. Which was also a number one hit in the U.S. Have you ever seen that movie? (laughs) Which was... The song was the title track from the film based on Richie Valens, who died in the same plane crash as... Big Bopper and Buddy Holly and um, one other right now. I can't think of who it is. I don't remember the the fourth one. I don't either. Have you ever seen that movie? No. La la lasagna. 1999. Ronan Keating scored his first UK number one solo single with When You Say Nothing At All. The country song written by Paul Overstreet and Don Schlitz was a hit for Keith Whitley, who took it to the top of the Billboard Hot Country Singles chart in 1988. The song also gave Alison Krauss her first solo top ten country hit in 95. I was going to say, I, I thought that sa- the name sounded familiar. I don't know. You uncultured piece of swine. Amy Swinehouse. <laughs> P- piece of swine. <laughs> I think it just calls you uncultured bacon. <laughs> <laughs> August 1st, 2000. Madonna's forthcoming single, Music, had its release date brought forward by two weeks after the track was made available as an illegal MP3 file on the internet. <gasps> that dang internet gets you every time. 2002, a new book, Show the Girl the Door, written by a former tour manager, disclosed some strange demands by female acts. It revealed that Shania Twain would travel with a sniffer dog in case of bombs. Jennifer Lopez liked her dressing room to be all white, including carpets, flowers, and furniture. Cher would have high security rooms for her wigs. Janet Jackson would have a full medical team on standby, including the doctor, nurse, and throat specialist. And Britney Spears would demand her favorite gummy bear soft sweets. Do you know what Mariah Carey wants? Is she the one who wants everything to be wrapped in, like, cling wrap? Not that I heard. I heard that she wants M&Ms of all one color. 2013. The British government was trying to stop American Idol singer Kelly Clarkson from taking a rare turquoise and gold ring once owned by Jane Austen out of the country. The 2002 winner of the Idol TV show, it just shows you how old that is, bought the jewelry at auction last year, so I'm assuming in 2012, for more than £150,000, but culture minister Ed... Vazy, V-A-I-Z-E-Y, had put a temporary export bar on it, saying he wanted the national treasure to be saved for the nation. Well, that's shitty. If you're going to have it up for auction, you should 
be aware that anybody who has money can auction for it. <laughs> Bid. That's the <laughs> word I was looking for. <laughs> so now we're going to move on to birthdays for August 1st. Okay? American singer-songwriter and guitarist Jerry Garcia. Okay. Do you know who that is? Grateful Dead. Okay. 42. Yes. Yay, I did it. I'm not happy about that, but yes, you did it. English musician Boz Burrell, who played with Bad Company, who's also a member of King Crimson. 46. 46. What? Two in a row? Awesome. Okay. Tommy Bolin, guitarist. Joined Deep Purple in 1975. Was also a member of Zephyr and the James Gang. Um, 51. 51. Okay. <laughs> Robert Buck from American alternative rock band 10,000 Maniacs. They achieved their greatest success between 1987 and 1993 when they released four albums that charted in the top 50 in the U.S. 62. 58. Joe Elliott, singer for Def Leppard, who had the 1987 UK number six single Animal and the 1987 worldwide number one album Hysteria. 59. 59. Yeah. This is some kind of record. Susie Gardner, guitar vocals with American rock band L7, who were associated with the grunge movement of the late 80s and early 90s. L7 influenced many of the Riot Girl bands of the 1990s <laughs> it has three r's an l and a q and a q <laughs> um 61 60 carlton ridenauer also known as chuck d from public enemy 63 60 artist ivy jr also known as coolio 62 63 full of trickery today and my last one, Ashley Parker from American boy band O-Town. Yep. I was like, I knew that name. Do you know the song? It's called Liquid Dreams. Evan, look at the lyrics. Tell me why it's called Liquid Dreams. All or nothing. Yeah. But also Liquid Dreams. <laughs> um, 84. 81. Okay. And you suck at this game tonight. I'm a lot closer than you've been. So, any are you done? Anything else that you want to say? Um, I've gotten some feedback, done a little focus group, that some people don't have time to do these longer episodes that we do. So we're going to try and experiment and do um, something that I'm calling Reviews Days. I haven't told this to you at all, so this is complete new. This is a complete shock. I have no doubt that it's a complete shock to oh, you. Okay, so I like how you're announcing a little extra thing without Bef- talking to your podcasting partner about it, and even whether or not she wants to do more work for the show. Continue. So it would be on Tuesdays. It's just album reviews. There's no. Nobody gives a shit about the history. This is, okay, this is the album. This is when it was released. 
Here's what we think about it. So they're they're little mini episodes. Yeah. It, it's... <gasps> Can we call them mini Martians? Let us know if you have a better name for it in the chat. <laughs> but uh, we will have more information. Uh, should have a trailer or more information for you Monday with the hopes of starting that this following or Tuesday. So today's Friday. Monday for the no. trailer, Tuesday for the episode. Today is Monday, August 1st. This is, are you saying this gets released on a Friday? This episode will be released on a Friday. Okay, clarification. So it's Friday when you hear this. Or Monday. Whatever day of the week you listen to this. You are a train so this, wreck. Okay. You are a human form of a train wreck. <laughs> this will be this Choo-choo. episode... Will be released on a Friday. The Monday after this episode is released will be the trailer. The Tuesday after the trailer will be the first episode. Alright. So I guess we're doing the thing now. Mini Martians. Here we go. So thank you for listening to another episode of the Worst Podcast on Mars. Um, find us on social media. Come reach out. Say Hi like our stuff or you can just flat out tell us that we're awful on social media don't care um but you can find us on instagram and twitter at worst pod on mars and send us an email at uh worst pod on mars at gmail.com we're on spotify and itunes now so you can uh please 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 rate us give us a rating give us a review tell us what you like tell us what you don't like because we're we're open to to change Clearly, we're open to change. Um, but stop by and say hi. Come back next week. What are we doing next week? Please tell me. You are reviewing Russia's 2112, and I am going to slowly die and fall out of existence. Okay, bye! Have you ever seen Dirty Dancing? That's how you pick people up. That is not that's how you, you pick people up. That's how you up. grab them by the crotch. You just... That's not how you pick people up, Evan. Evan. Yeah, you shift two Evan. fingers on their butt and pick them up. Evan. My... Can we finish this? You're driving me insane. 1990. UB-40 were deported from the Seychelles. Seychelles? Seychelles. Se- Seychelles, I think. After police discovered... What in their hotel rooms? Dead hookers. Marijuana. <laughs> dead hookers are better. <laughs> How many dead hookers does it take to change a light bulb? Six. More than six because my basement's still dark. <laughs> Here's okay. a surprise. A knife to the throat. <laughs> that definitely would be a surprise. <laughs>